0: You're listening to americaswebradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We're live casting, right, David? I mean, we're live on the web right
0: now. And well, I've been dead for about three weeks. Yeah, I, know, I don't know, I know about you. I noticed so so there was a particular a little, odor as I walked in the studio yeah, today. A but, light uh, color there. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> We always live broadcast uh, America's on America's Web Radio, which you can find at www.americaswebradio.com and uh, those of us that download on iTunes thank you so much for downloading us today well David you know there is a I was just thinking on the way up here one of the very first things a partner uh, at the law firm I was at in 1989 told me when I told him I was very interested in practicing immigration law was why would you want to practice immigration law we solved that problem we had Reagan's amnesty people don't need lawyers to do that anymore I mean it's a non-issue I remember that to this day, this conversation with that partner. And literally, I can't pick up a newspaper today or open a website without seeing an immigration issue every single day. I mean, it's just stunning to me. Think about it, David. The brilliance you had in wanting an immigration show on America's web radio <laughs> to help America's web radio listeners understand the issue because, David, I know you're on Facebook occasionally, and you know that I'm on Facebook way too much. What does not cease to amaze me is the opinions people will jump to with a complete dearth of facts. It, it just stuns me. The, the reaction, uh, as opposed to investigating something and forming, forming an opinion around that, or using what you already know and adding to that information. And, of course, the issue I'm talking about today is the, the now 26 governors, which, oddly enough, matches up to the 26 governors opposing DAPA, The 26 governors who now want... It does does actually match up. I I did look at the map last night. It was hilarious.
0: There's uh, only
1: one difference. Utah is not on this.
0: Do you have the uh, Democrats? The
1: one Democrat. There's one Democrat, I think, who came out on this. And you got 26 governors who said, no, you're not allowed to send refugees to my state. Hmm. The first thing I thought about, David, was, you know, there's something I read somewhere sometime. What was it? Oh, yeah. The Constitution that says that you can't interfere in the travel between the states. Governors don't have the have zero legal right or authority to bar the movement of people to their state. Now, David, you know what's really interesting about this? There's actually a Supreme Court case on this from 1915. And you never guess what state it originated in. Come on, David, give me a guess. Georgia. No, no, no. By Georgia, what's the first state you think of when you think of immigration? Texas. All right. You think of Texas because you're from Texas. Let's go with Arizona, okay? The state of Arizona uh, basically passed a law called the Alien Employment Act or something like that that said that employers in the state uh, had to first hire Americans before they could hire like somebody born in a different country, okay? Now at the time, 1915, David, there was there was really no immigration law, so to speak. There was a naturalization law, but technically, no really, not really an naturalization law in, in the way we understand it today. So is this guy, uh, and uh, he'd been deprived of a job at I don't know some meatpacking plant or something in Arizona, and he sued. Um, the case is called uh, Truax T R U I A X V. BADAI, B A D A I, or something like that. I'll find it up before we go anywhere today. In this case, the Supreme Court said the Constitution of the United States does not authorize, in fact, it prohibits states from interfering in the free movement or employment of people in the United States that are otherwise authorized to be here. So, what's interesting is apparently our beloved governor. Did not consult with the Attorney General before knee-jerking, because I assume the Attorney General knows this law, knee-jerking reaction. Now, what the governor maybe meant to say, which is what Governor Scott in Florida said, which is different, I'm concerned about the resettlement of refugees in the United States from Syria as a whole, because you can't bar refugees from coming to your state. That's against the law and obviously not going to happen. Um, you know, there was, you may have seen the internet uh, f- Facebook phenomenon where they said 10,000 Syrian refugees had arrived in New Orleans. Did you, did you see that on, on Facebook, David? I, many of our listeners did. And uh, I was curious about that because, you know, one of the most anti immigration guys out there uh, is Mr. Close the Door Behind Me, Bobby Jindal, the governor of Louisiana. And uh, he demanded that the Obama administration tell him how many Syrian refugees they had re- actually resettled in Louisiana. And, and the administration did. Told them all who all 15 of them were. 15. Um, so this knee-jerk reaction by 26 governors, one Democrat, uh, let's call him a malinformed immigrant, then 25 Republican governors, probably f- to be followed by at least one or two more. Although Utah said, he says, Governor, no, let him come. That's fine. Why do you think he said that? Why did one lone Republican governor, not known to be a liberal in any circles, David, uh, actually understand what was going on? Because he actually looked at the law and talked to people who understood the law. Uh, there is this concern among governors that we're just literally picking up refugees off of Greek islands and bringing them to America. I mean, I even heard Peter King this morning on uh, on Morning Joe saying there's no vetting, there's no databases in Syria for us to check these people against. Okay. That's that's a really good point. There, in fact, are no databases that we can check Syrian refugees against uh, in Syria. But I think back, David, to the uh, – you're old enough to remember the Bosnian conflict when uh, um, uh, one of the original neocon hawks himself, Bill Clinton, decided to bomb – Uh, Serbs for massacring um, Bosnian refugees, Muslim Bosnian refugees, and we ended up allowing in tens of thousands of Bosnian refugees to the United States. I don't know if you know this or not, but there was also no database of Bosnian refugees, and yet they were Muslims. The idea here is that somehow, because of the... uh, There I am, David. Uh, Somehow, because of the attack in Paris where a random Syrian passport was found, by the way, which has been proven to be a fraud fraudulent passport. That passport was also used, another version of it, in, I think, Germany or, or Turkey or someplace like that. So, lots of fraudulent passports of Syrians out there. Uh, that somehow, a Syrian ISIS terrorist is going to get on a dinghy, uh, float over to a Greek island without drowning, walk through Greece into, into Europe somewhere, resettle so that he can attach to an ISIS cell so that he can then attack a Parisian cafe. That's, that's, that's the theory that's out there. The better theory is, is that a lot of these French citizens and Belgian citizens uh, went over to Syria and trained uh, under ISIS and then were sent back Uh, with varying types of documentation, even though they were actually European citizens, and then carried out this attack against France because of the ISIS ideology. Now, we have resettled, in the last decade or so, approximately 750,000 refugees in the last 10 years under Republican and Democratic administrations. Query one, how many of them have committed acts of terror in the United States? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody in the studio audience? That would be zero. All right, so there must be something good about the vetting process that we're going through. So rather than listening to governors who think we literally just put people on boats and bring them into Savannah Harbor and let them go where they want to go, we should talk about the vetting process in a little bit more detail than that. Um, So the first thing to understand, David, is how does somebody – what i mean better said what is a refugee versus an asylum seeker or an asylee so let's take this one at a time asylum seekers are people that either arrive in the united states legally and then within 1 year of arrival seek to be classified as asylees they say i'm afraid to go back to my home country because of race religion national origin a particular social group, or political opinion. Okay, So um, those five grounds, I'm afraid to go back. That's an, that's an asylum seeker, and if you're granted asylum, you are an asylee. We saw a, an influx of these types of people come through our southern border in the last couple of years, mostly women and children from the Northern Triangle of Central America, massive problems with drugs and gangs and violence and murders and rapes and stuff like that. So they've been coming to the border. Uh, There have been about 120,000 of them in the last couple of years. A big number, but not actually really that big in the grand scope of 320 million people who live in America. The refugees, on the other hand, we have annually, really for the last decade for the most part, allowed in about 75,000 refugees a year. So refugees are different from asylum seekers. That while asylum seekers just show up or here arrive legally and then apply for asylum, um, refugees are actually people who are outside the United States, who go through an application process, uh, working through. I know you're one of your favorite organizations, the United Nations. Uh, I know you're a big supporter, David. A Big fundraiser coming up next month. For I'll get a, an invite out to you. Make sure you're there. David's nodding his head, going, "Chuck, you know I hate the UN." Um, and the U.S. works in conjunction with other countries to resettle some of the 4.5 million refugees around the United States that exist at this time, um, and probably you know, big chunks of those are coming from Syria. Now, we're not going to take more than 75,000 refugees in the year. We might increase to 85,000, but that's not all Syrians. In fact, the minority of them will likely be Syrians. So what do, you, what do you have to do? Where do you get to? How do you become a refugee? Well, first of all, you have to be in a location. These are typically a refugee resettlement camp or in another country in which you don't have a legal right to remain, uh, and then apply through the, the national, international vetting process for a, a refugee. Well, obviously, there's a form. Just like everything else in the government, there's a form to fill out. Now, you may or may not be able to even read or write. So that form is filled out with either a volunteer or an employee of the Department of State or a contracted employee of the Department of State or as part of the UNHCR, United Nations High Commission on Refugees Assistance in getting basic biographic and general data about you and about your family. Once that process is completed and you have your name, uh, you've been fingerprinted, you've been photographed, then begins a process of vetting or background checking, as we would refer to, we don't call it vetting. Vetting is what you do to presidential candidates. Um, checking the background of refugees to see if they meet the criteria. Because refugees still have to meet the criteria. They have to be either fleeing religious persecution, national, what we call nationality or national origin persecution, racial persecution because of their race or ethnicity, being a member of a particular social group, or because of political opinion. That's, that's, those are the five grounds refugees um, uh, get um, uh, get into the United States one of those ways, and around the world. That's part of the International uh, Treaty on Refugees. Um, so what begins the process? How does the Department of State, which runs this process, how do they conduct a, a, the background check for refugees? I think, David, we should take a break here, and we'll come back. And go through the process so people understand what actually is involved in going through this process. Okay?
2: Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net.
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Stay safe from little-known health care and hospital hazards right here every Thursday morning at 9 with me, your hostess, Pat Rulo or listen to my podcast at americaswebradio.com.
1: Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with E-Verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200 or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net
0: You're listening to americaswebradio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We are talking right now about how the government, how the federal government processes refugees. Now, David, the, the annual budget typically for what's called the Refugee Admissions Program is around a billion dollars. Given the fact, and that includes both refugee processing, refugee admissions, and refugee resettlement. And each of these three groups are part of the refugee program is operated and managed by individual agencies. Uh, For example, the, the USCIS administers refugee processing the Bureau of Population, Refugees, and Migration Ministry's refugees readmissions, and the Administration for Children and Families Ministry's refugee resettlement. So there's different budgets that are, that are involved here. Basically refugee agencies, these are like um, Catholic Charities or Lutheran Family Services or International Rescue Committee, receive a stipend of I think uh, just a little under $2,000 per refugee. This money is given to to the, to the agencies directly to help agents these refugees resettle in the U.S. It's used for rent, food, clothes, cost of agency staff and salaries, and other expenses. Okay, uh, the chief agency responsible uh, for uh, this process is called the United States Refugee Admission Program. This is the U.S. R.A.P. The USARP works at the federal level through the Department of State's Bureau of Population, Refugee, and Migration, or the PRM. The PRM is in charge of managing the foreign refugee programs, proposing ceilings on refugee admissions, and establishing priorities. So let's take a step here. So the USARAP, in conjunction with the PRM, does these background checks, the admission process. So first of all, refugees have to be referred to to the U.S. RAP, U.S. RAP, by different government organizations. Some applicants qualify to apply directly if they come from a country nationality with special humanitarian concerns, so maybe Syrians can apply directly. Uh, they can be referred to the program from from UNCAR, from the U.N. High Commission for Refugees. Um, but the most of them do come from UNCAR, which we call UNCAR, United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, um, that refer refugees to, the, to, to U.S. RAP. Uh, typically, they can also be referred by U.S. embassies and consular officials. So each refugee cr- is cre- created for each refugee, this is man, woman, and child, gets a portfolio, which contains important information about being refugee. The portfolios are built and processed by resettlement support centers, which are provided and operated by international organizations and NGOs to process refugees for resettling in the United States. So, who determines whether somebody is actually a refugee? Who, who actually does that? Um, well, the portfolio is part of the U.S. Bureau of Population, this, this, this PRM, uh, funds nine resource centers around the world. These centers prepare each person's portfolio with taking pictures, collecting biographic, health, and background information on each refugee, and they schedule interviews and request background checks for each agency. Officials representing the USCIS then conduct interviews which each, which each refugees sponsored by the resource centers. The interviews are intended to determine whether the refugees are approved for settlement or not. Now, we, we reject the number of refugees from resettlement. Let's not think that we let every Syrian refugee or any refugee from Bosnia or from Congo or anywhere else. Uh, medical exams are done to make sure they don't have any contagious diseases. They meet our criteria for health. Um, and once they pass both the medical exam and the background check, then the resource center says, hey, we need somebody to sponsor them in the United States. So they actually, this type of processing, David, is far greater, far more uh, than we give really to, to other immigrants that are coming to the United States. Much more so. Now, the, the agencies that, that go through, uh, that are involved in this process, uh, as far as the background check checkups, let's look at them. First is the FBI. The Federal Bureau of Investigation maintains a database where fingerprints are examined and examined against whatever might be in their database. We also clear the people through Interpol. Interpol is run kind of a, kind of a sidelight to the to the UN, and we check their background information through Interpol. So if there have been any other use of their data, they have crimes anywhere that have been reported to Interpol, which is really the inter, the international police agency. Uh, we then run them through the CIA. So all refugee uh, applicants are put through a CIA database looking for matches and names that might pop up. They're put through a DEA database. They're put through what to call what's called TEX, which is a treasury database. Uh, they're put through the CBP, ISIS, and USCIS's database. In total, from my understanding, David, there's 11 to 13 different databases in which their information is checked against. So while it is true that we don't have a database out of Syria. What database are you actually looking for out of Syria? Are you looking for Assad's database? I bet you if he asked, they probably wouldn't give it to you. Um, The reality is in many parts of the world which create refugees, part of that problem is they're not technologically advanced enough to have these type of databases, which is why these other background checks and in multiple in person interviews are conducted. Now it gets David even more uh, background check than this. Once a sponsor is found, once a somebody like the IRC comes forward or Catholic Charities and Family Services or one of the dozens of other groups out there that resettled refugees, this refugee is then provided that data, that portfolio, is then given to the sponsoring organization. That sponsored organization is then responsible for their housing, their essential furnishings, clothing, food, as well as social, medical, and employment services for their first three months in the United States. Refugees are also given a cultural orientation, because obviously America is different from their country, before they come to the United States. Once here, these individual agencies then assign a caseworker, much like a social worker, but not quite as overworked, to these individual families and individuals. They check in with these families on a daily to weekly basis as they resettle over the first three to six months. They ensure they they find jobs for them. They ensure they they understand how life works in the U.S. If somebody drops off the grid, they go find that person. So this is the type of thing that uh, Governor Deal and the 25 other governors are saying we should create a better process for. Honestly, of all the things the government does wrong and all the things the government may or may not do right, this process has actually worked exceptionally well for decades because it's a fine-tuned machine. Now, I'm not going to say that it's not possible that somebody sneaks through. But if you were an ISIS terrorist and you wanted to attack America – First of all, you'd probably get somebody here, just like they did for France and, and Italy. You'd, you'd, home, you'd home grow your terrorism. There's a lot easier ways to get to the United States and conduct a terrorist act than coming as a refugee. Don't you think? I mean, David, you and I have talked many times about the border In fact that you can still, even today, get through the border. Why not just come through the border? Even better yet, if you have a clean identity and a clean background, just apply for a visa. Maybe you'll get through that way. Those checks aren't nearly as detailed as the checks I just described to you. So there's a lot easier ways for an ISIS terrorist to come to the United States than as refugees. And this this knee-jerk reaction to uh, refugees is interesting because doesn't it really play right into ISIS's hands? You said earlier on our break that in some ways... uh, and we should start not using the word ISIS anywhere. There's is a different name for them. Um, oh, we'll have to find it, David. It starts with a D. Yeah,
0: Daesh or something
1: Dash, like Daesh, Daesh, which is both kind of a, a reference to them, but apparently it's also an insult in Arabic. It's, 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 it's one of those words that has two meanings.
0: Then why so is Mr. Be, Kerry saying
1: it? Well, that's a great question because, you know, who does say it is Mitterrand. Oh, not Mitterrand, <laughs> Hollande, the, the president of France. Putin says it, Daesh. We should call him Daesh. Hasn't Daesh already won? If we're rejecting the people they're trying to either kill or convert, I mean, isn't that what's really happening? So, by accepting refugees, we reject Daesh. We fight directly against Daesh uh, rather than kowtowing and 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 allowing them to dictate our own refugee policies. So, yes, I agree. We should continue to finally hone our refugee process but I will tell you 750,000 refugees 10 years not a single terrorist that's pretty good work I'd say I mean it's far better work than the Board of Pardons and Paroles has on paroling inmates
0: are you including children that came with their parents
1: children yes this is every refugee David every refugee
0: what about the uh, Boston Bombers
1: born here they, they, didn't come, they didn't come as refugees anyway.
0: They didn't resettle okay. as
1: refugees. They came as asylees. Oh. Different process, David. Different process. Very different process. Uh, so, again, that's why I wanted to point out to refugees and asylees. Asylees, you come to the border and you, I mean, that's it. I mean, they'll, they'll do a quote background check, but it's nothing like this. When they do interviews of these people at the border, it's, it's cursory at best. So really, if you wanted to be an ISIS, a Daesh terrorist, that's what you would do. You'd come through the border. It's just easier. And even that's hard compared to just home-growing your own terrorism here. Um, So the reality is this knee-jerk reaction, this we're not going to let refugees in, is actually playing into the hands of our enemy rather than us saying, you know what? We're going to double down on these programs. We're going to make sure they work efficiently. And we're going to say, send me extra refugees. Instead of sending me 1,000, send me 2,000. We want these people in our communities. We want to show them and show the world what kind of country we are. We are a welcoming country. We respect refugees. Now, David, the last time we knee-jerk reacted to rejecting refugees, do you know when that was? It was World, World War,
0: War II, II? yeah, there. and who did we reject? Japanese. Oh uh, man, no, Germans. The Jews
1: The Jews. Yeah, remember the boat and among many that, that literally sailed up and down the East Coast trying to get into America with with I think it was eight hundred or nine hundred Jewish refugees from Germany. We sent them around; they're all dead. They all died because we sent them back. Only at that time, only five percent of Americans sought to have or agreed with allowing refugees into America and look what happened. The Refugee Act that we act under is from 1980. It's, 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 a, it's a follow-up to a 1952 uh, um, um, uh, creation or treaty in regards to refugees, and it's our acceptance of our, the, the refugee protocols in 1967 that we signed. So it took us 13 years to actually create the Refugee Act for a treaty we signed in 1967. And it's a reflection of both our obligation as an international player, as a leader in the world, it's also a reflection of our moral obligation to our fellow man, to stand up for the downtrodden, to stand up for those who are abused, to fight for those who cannot fight for themselves, and to give those who are fleeing that type of fighting persecution. Now, I've heard many times on Facebook, even on Facebook, well, these people are cowards; they're running away. You could you could call them that. You could say they're cowards. But how are you a coward to try to protect your child when you have no arms, when you have no food, when you have no training to fight against? The machine that is the Syrian and Russian governments and or Daesh the reality is refugees are simply trying to protect their families you know and for the most part now there are guys out there that should be sent back I don't have any doubt about and the one thing that the Department of State never tells you is how many people they rejected for resettlement because they didn't pass the, the background process that's the number I would like to see David, let's take our second break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.
2: Soy Charles Cook, jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley. Y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el Internet. www.immigration.net
1: Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's web radio. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on Webradio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with E-Verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules... Or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to America's Web Radio. This is the Immigration Hour. Dave, we've had a pretty good talk today so far, don't you I think? Now, you indicated earlier your garden is a mess. Mess. Um, I may have some peppers left if there really wasn't a freeze the other night.
0: I, I got, will find out on Saturday. I got my last bell peppers the other day. Did you get an Beautiful. Uh-huh. Beautiful red one and uh, a couple of green ones and... Uh, I'd like to frame them instead of eating them, actually.
1: What you should do is picture them and make them your Facebook post. Yeah. That's what you should do. You should change your photo, the Facebook photo with a red pepper, and put the French flag on it. (laughs) Just kidding, David. Is that what you have to do, put your French flag on stuff? Uh, David, as now we've talked about the governors, we cannot let our beloved presidential candidates go, untalked about today, on their evolving positions on immigration. Uh, Now, we have to start, of course, David, with I know you paid rapt attention on Saturday evening (laughs) to the Democratic debate. Uh, Now, Here's one thing I do like about the Democratic debate. There's only three of them. And so you get a lot more information. You get a lot more data. You get a lot more time to listen to them. Now, that doesn't mean they're saying more or better stuff, but it gets you a better idea of who they really are. Um, my favorite line from the debate, now here's the, I didn't watch it live, I actually kind of caught snippets of it, but the favorite thing I've seen so far is Bernie Sanders comparing himself to Eisenhower saying, I'm not quite as socialist as he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, you know, you got to give Sanders credit. He might be kind of a grumpy old man Uh but he can be pretty funny dryly uh, sometime. Um, Of the three that you were up there, David, if your choice was one of those three candidates, who would you put up against the GOP candidate? None of the
0: above.
1: No, no, you have a choice. You've got to pick one of the three. I guess at this point,
0: I would Forget polls. Who would you pick? I I would pick Hillary because I think... uh, she's going to be, ultimately, the easiest to beat.
1: Okay. Now, we'll get into that easiest to beat on a different show. Um, <laughs> uh, you don't think Sanders is easy to beat? I think Sanders well, yeah, would get Sanders destroyed.
0: Would be, Sanders would be easy to beat. Uh, in fact, I don't think he, he'll get He won't get to the race. Oh, no, no, no. He, huh? he, you know, he'll go to the
1: convention only because he wants to speak at the convention, but, I mean, he's got no reason to get out. I mean, he's got plenty of money. He doesn't spend any of it, and he knows he's not going to win, but at least he gets to speak at the convention. Uh, O'Malley will stay in for a while. Uh, I really like O'Malley. I mean, I, it just seems like a really good guy. Uh, I think he's got some pretty good experience as governor. Um, I think he's a little too liberal for most Americans, uh, but not terribly so. Um, but on immigration, they talked about this the other night because of the, the terrorist attack and the foreign policy aspects of this. Uh, what was interesting is none of them really backed down on their immigration stance. Which is good because that means it's a it's relatively at least for Hillary not, not for Hillary but the other two well probably not for Sanders either but for O'Malley at least it's a relatively principled stance uh, given his past history uh, but they said basically what I said I hate I'm not claiming I'm a Democrat because I'm not but let's check the vetting process make sure it works good and let's keep going with the refugees um, so now let's look at our friends in the GOP when's the next GOP debate it's not till what November December sometime David.
0: I don't think it's that far out. It may be the first. I think it's December December.
1: fifteenth or something like that, or the twelfth. I think there's only because the Democrats don't have another one until January. I think Uh, so. I don't think the the the, the GOP guys any. So what they have to do now is they have to not use since they don't have a debate to distinguish themselves. They've got to now start attacking each other. This has been interesting to watch. You got? Did you see or hear about Donald Trump's ninety-five minute rant?
0: I just heard. Last, about it. I didn't. Listen oh my to gosh! It.
1: Well, it's impossible to listen to, because really, listening to Donald Trump makes you stupider. <laughs> it makes you more stupid. More stupid. It makes you more stupid. Um, he, there was. I saw this great analysis. They analyzed all the speaking patterns of, of all the candidates, of both parties. He talks like a fourth grader.
0: Hmm.
1: The, the, his vocabulary, and the way he con- conjugates and talks, is like a fourth grader. Now, I don't know if he intentionally does that, because I can't imagine he's been successful in life talking like a fourth grader. Um, whereas the other candidates are anywhere from sixth to eleventh grade. Um, nobody speaks like a, like a college graduate, which is important in America, I guess. So first, let's start with Ben Carson. Ben Carson. Uh, my funny thing this week for Mr. Carton as immigration is he is going to, when he's president, he's going to make sure that all these ele- illegal immigrants stop using federal welfare and state welfare. Hmm. This goes to the whole point about Ben Carson that he has no idea what the heck he's talking about. Uh, And this is an issue that's easy to understand. I mean, besides the Chinese in Syria comment, uh, which we know is not true. Now he said, well, there's Chinese weapons in Syria, and because there's Chinese weapons in Syria, there's probably Chinese guys running those weapons. Yeah, n- not a lot of evidence Chinese weapons are there. Um, and exactly who do you think is using the Syrians are using Ch- the Chinese? I think the Syrians are using the Russians. I'm not sure the Russians are going to let the Chinese in there. And the Chinese are going, what the hell we want to go to that hellhole for? I, I don't want to be, be in Syria. You guys fight among yourselves. We've got enough of our own problems with our, with our failing economy. So Carson says he's going to sharply cut benefits and that will stop illegal immigration. Let's look at, you know, facts are terrible things um, because facts can tend to show you, and let's say that, you know, there's facts that are factual and facts that are kind of made up. Let's talk about facts that are real. Uh, no one who is not a citizen or permanent resident for five years of the United States can receive welfare, federally or state, can receive uh, food stamps, uh can receive aid from the federal government other than refugees. Refugees are different. Okay, uh, So illegal immigrants can't get any of this stuff. Well, now they're going to say, well, but their kids get it. If their kids are U.S. citizens, U.S. citizens are entitled to these things. So this isn't really a discussion about what illegal immigrants get. It's a discussion about what welfare exists in America. So if somebody comes in and they're an undocumented immigrant and they have three kids... And those kids are on school lunch. Those kids are on food stamps, yes. Those kids are going to get food stamps. And who's going to spend those? Mom is. But David, I don't know if you've ever been on food stamps. I've never been on food stamps, but I have a couple friends who have been. And what you can buy on food stamps is remarkably limited. Uh, the days of the Ronald Reagan's Welfare Queen and lobsters and Cadillacs, they, not that they ever existed, but it didn't exist anymore. You, you can get life's basics uh, on food stamps, and that's about it. Um, so this idea that Ben Carson put out there, and again, this, this, what this does, why, why would he say something that he should know is not true?
0: Why should he know it?
1: What's that? Why should he know it? He's running for president of the United States. That's why he should know it. If you're going to opine on a topic that's important to your candidacy... Don't you think you should have read something on it? Talk to somebody knowledge about about the issue? Maybe even look, oddly enough, at both sides. I mean, I hate to do that. Look at both sides of an issue? Don't you think that would be a good idea for somebody who who desires to be the commander-in-chief and the president of the United States and and exercise supreme executive authority? Uh, For me, I think that would be kind of important. I would never vote for somebody who was intentionally... Stupid about issues. Um, this guy is obviously a gifted brain surgeon. Obviously. Uh, great reputation in his field. He obviously has been studying, taking a lot of time studying brain surgery and not looking at other issues in his life. But if you're going to run for president like he's been doing for the last two years, pick up a damn book. Read something. I mean, Dave, heck, listen to America's Web Radio. I mean, you don't have to read anything. There's lots of shows here that can educate this guy about a lot of different issues. Um, Here's the interesting part. Who was he talking to when he said this stuff? He was speaking at an evangelical church. You know, I I just think that it's ignorant. Yet, at the same time, you know, he does not have, he's not Donald Trump, he's not going to deport people. So on the same time, his immigra- here's his whole immigration plan in, in two sentences, I believe. Those in the U.S. without problems with their stay here would be given a six-month period to register and pay a tax penalty. They would have to pay taxes going forward by taking jobs as guest workers, but not, would not get citizenship or voting rights. That's apparently his entire immigration plan. Okay, it's not a fourth grade immigration plan. It's probably a seventh grade immigration plan. But it really is based in. I, I can only believe at this point intentional ignorance. If you're if immigration is as important point as many of these politicals seem to suggest, why aren't they gathering as much information as possible? Ah, because David, they are politicians, and. They, they do not see themselves, I don't think, as trying to get elected to solve problems. They see themselves as getting elected to perpetuate an ideology. An ideology that is based on ignorance in the context of immigration. Um, so Mr. Carson, i, I, I got to tell you, um, uh, this is um, disappointing. For a man of his stature and intelligence and integrity, and I do believe he's got integrity, to really just intentionally remain ignorant of this issue at this at this late stage of the game. Now, now you've got the new speaker. Now you're a big fan of Speaker Ryan, I imagine. Uh, by the way, I read an article last night about your your best bud John Boehner. Uh, apparently, he's hitting the lecture circuit. I know you're shocked by this. Um, he gave a talk in Miami a couple nights ago. He talked for fifteen minutes and then took forty minutes of questions. One of the questions was what is your biggest what is one of your what is one of your biggest regrets? Not passing immigration reform. Really? Then why didn't you call up for a vote? And what did he say? He blamed the Freedom Caucus. Since they're impossible to govern. They, they they want perfection that will never exist in government. And they refuse to compromise on any issue, and therefore nothing will ever get done. That's Boehner's position now that he can speak freely about these folks. He's clearly not winning any any uh, looking to win king of the homecoming prom uh, ever ever again. Uh, but Speaker Ryan um, has said something interesting. So they ask him this question: uh, "Who do you support for president?" He says, "I'll support whoever the nominee is. I'm not picking sides in the primary." They said And So they go right to Trump, because Trump is you know, the 800-pound gorilla. Um, he says, Do you support Donald Trump's plan to round up and deport millions of illegal immigrants? Ryan says, I can't imagine how it could happen. So no. Okay. This is one of the reasons why the Freedom Caucus, which is so inappropriately named, I wish I could have a much better name for them, but I don't think you could say it on family radio like this. Um, he promised them that he would not bring up immigration reform in this Congress on to secure their vote. Um, not for the future, but for this Congress. Ryan understands that he is actually probably to the left in the GOP on this issue. Um, and what he said is you have to have a vibrant legal system Legal immigration is America. My name is Ryan. As Speaker, he said he won't work with Obama on reform, arguing that Obama is untrustworthy. But he has left the door open to working with the administration on border security, tax reform, highway funding, and, of course, President Clinton when she's in office on immigration reform. Let's take our last break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.
2: Soy Charles Cook. Abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar. ¿Qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración? Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, 404-816-8611, 816 visit visitenos por el Internet at www.immigration.net.
0: Hello, I'm Pat Rulo, hostess of Speak Up and Stay Alive, the voice for patient safety. Now heard every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. right here at AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Dr. George. Join
2: me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit.
1: Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200 or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to americaswebradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to America's Web Radio. This is your host Chuck Cook on the Immigration Hour. Possibly the most listened to radio podcast on immigration in the known multiverse. <laughs> um, uh, I love pictures of space. You love pictures of space, David? I love when the Hubble Telescope comes out and they show some incredible uh, pictures. So they, the other day there was a picture of what's called a uh, an empty galaxy. Gal- I mean an empty, empty galaxy. Mm. And so they take a picture and you see this big spiral galaxy and then you see other galaxies in the back along with three stars so you see these three stars, you take them out there they're in the Milky Way and they said that 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 big spiral universe in the middle is in the middle of vast empty space and is further from every other known universe than every every other galaxy from every other known galaxy it's just literally by itself in the middle of nowhere was, I mean, those things are kind of beyond my mathematical skills, but... A black uh, hole? But I believe them to be true. No, they're not black holes. They're just, it's just a massive galaxy in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of like where we put, refugee, we, put we put refugees and asylum seekers in Stewart um, <laughs> when, they, when they come to the United States. Um, so the next political we got to talk about, right now Ted Cruz is attacking. So we've got Trump attacking everybody. Uh, Carson's not attacking anybody. Cruz is attacking Rubio. Now, this is interesting because Cruz has said he's, and these are two guys who are the same age, and I was just thinking about this. I think they're both 45 or 44. Neither one of them have been to their 20th year high school reunion. Hmm. Think about that. Think about your 20-year high school reunion, David. Any of you guys you go to school with, you want as president of the United States? No. Nah. This is the problem with both of these guys.
0: Except for Jerry Smith.
1: Jerry Smith. <laughs> I, you know, I know that the minimum age to be president is 35, right? Minimum age to be president. That was in an era when people lived to be 50 or 45. okay, Maybe 60 if you got lucky. I personally think we should change the Constitution. And that you shouldn't be able to be an elected representative until you're 40. And you shouldn't be able to be a senator until you're 50. And you shouldn't be able to be a president until you're 60. Why? Experience. Life experience is far more valuable than an educational experience. Education is important, and I would never vote for a man or a woman who didn't have a college degree for president of the United States in the 21st century. But life experience on top of that is so essentially valuable uh, that I don't think it can be replaced. You have people coming out of high school, like Ted Cruz and, and, and Rubio, who want to be president within 15 years of getting out of high school. What experience could they possibly have? They're in politics. They, they're professional politicians. I, while I do think political experience is valuable for a president, I'm not going to say it's essential, but I think it's valuable for a president, I think life experience is far more important Whether you have a business, whether you run a company, whether you're a laborer uh, in a ditch, that experience makes you a better president. So here we have Ted Cruz attacking Marco Rubio. Uh, And Ted Cruz releases his own in-depth immigration plan. Now, what's interesting about Ted Cruz is that he has not... I wouldn't classify him as anti-immigrant as I would sort of like Jeff Sessions. He actually is really good on legal immigration. Um, And Cruz is not Trump saying everybody should be deported and then we can do something. Uh, What's funny about this is that uh, Cruz attacked Rubio for being part of – trying to get amnesty jammed down the throats of American people. Rubio then told, said about Cruz, he's proposing legalizing people here that were here illegally. He proposed giving them work permits. He supported a massive expansion of green cards. He supported a massive extension of the HMB programs. So if you look at it, I don't think our positions are dramatically different. Rubio said on Twitter, Ted Cruz is every bit as soft on amnesty as I am. So there, <laughs> um, oh, this is great. Uh, Rubio's argument is clear. This, Rubio Cruz attacks Rubio for supporting Shum Obamnesty. That's actually pretty good. That's that's a great play on words. there, Shum Obamnesty. Obamnesty. I hadn't heard that one before. Obamnesty. I want to put that. I want to use that. That's a word we should use from now on, David. Obamnesty. It's kind of like Obamacare. <laughs> um, what? Why is Cruz attacking Rubio on immigration? Who is Cruz trying to get away from on that? I mean, who, who is he trying to get away from Rubio? Rubio is attracting a lot of the big money donors. Cruz has got, I think, one or two big money donors. Cruz has said he is waiting for Trump to fail. Well, you see, implied this because he thinks he's going to get all of Trump's support. So he's got to be Trumpier than, than than Rubio because this way he can get Trump's 22%. Uh, Rubio is planning when Bush drops out, which I don't think is going to happen, but he's going to get Bush's support, and he thinks Carson's going to drop out, so Rubio thinks he's going to get Carson's support when Carson dissipates and disappears. So both Rubio and Cruz think they are each – the, two, the final two candidates that are going to be standing in this race. Now, if that's the case, you better get used to saying President Clinton again. Um, over and over again, David, because neither one of those guys is going to beat Hillary Clinton. They're just not. Um, they, they just don't. I think she eats them up and spits them out. Cruz is a very effective debater and a very smart guy. But he is not genuine. He's not genuine. Uh, when George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush both criticized Ted Cruz for that same reason, you have to wonder. Hmm. If people like that don't think he's genuine, and they're from his homes, they Texans, right? Uh, you have to wonder who really supports him and what his real plan is. Uh, for me personally, I would never, I will never again, in any party, vote for a presidential candidate who is a one-term senator who's never held a real job I will never do it again fool me once, David that's all you did, you fooled me once but you didn't fool me twice
0: you voted for Obama? the first
1: time, absolutely because I couldn't vote for Palin and I thought the libertarian candidate was kind of crappy it was between the libertarian and Obama I said, you know, Bush was terrible everybody, you know, presidents always forget you know how bad things were eight years before. Go put yourself back in 2008 in the crisis. Remember how, 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 how um, McCain handled the financial crisis? He just basically melted. He just basically melted. But fool me once, okay, my, I'll, my problem, or maybe that's your problem, I'll, I'll take the blame, but you're not going to fool me twice. I will never vote for a candidate again who's been a one-term senator with no prior experience. And really no job in their background. I will never do it. Why would you do it? Why would you do it? Oh, he'll surround himself with good people. Yeah, we thought Obama would do the same thing. All Obama surrounded himself by was the echo chamber. All Bush surrounded himself by was the echo chamber. The echo chamber is not a way to run this country. And it's very disappointing. Um, So that kind of fight between back and forth between Rubio, to me, is fascinating. Because it's a fight between the two, quote, young guns in the party who have, I think, the same kind of outlook on immigration but are trying to paint each other as different from the other. I I just think that's absolutely fascinating uh, as we go go, go forward. Uh, Now, David, on other immigration issues we have coming forward, we dealt with the refugee crisis. We dealt with these political candidates. What else is going on in America today in regards to immigration? Uh, How are... You know, what are the numbers really looking like? And here's something that I think um, most Americans don't know. How much immigration is coming from Mexico today? Mexico today. Do you know? Zero. We have, at this point, last few years, zero net migration from Mexico. There's essentially equal numbers of people coming as there are going. Uh, so the this, the this we have apparently reached a balance a balance of workers a balance of, uh, of income a balance of trade or whatever it happens to be that causes people to make the decision to stay home in Mexico rather than come to the US now we still have undocumented immigration at our borders a big 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 chunk of that is from the Northern Triangle El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras because of the contradictions that we helped cause many years ago um If we could somehow get a grip, and this is where Obama has once again abandoned us as President of the United States, he does nothing to seriously assist the governments of Central America to create a program to keep people there and keep their people safe. Now, David, I see our time is almost up. Um, And I think a lot of people this week, if you take a little hint from me this week, when you see... People on race, uh, Facebook jumping to conclusions about what happened, about refugees, about immigrants. Speak out, say something. Don't just say, "Ah, oh, that person's so ignorant," and just move on or delete that person. Challenge them nicely. Point them to proper resources so they understand what's going on. Educate them. And I teach this to people when I do when I do discussions all the time. Knowledge is power. The more information we can gather without putting our heads on on both sides. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I want refugees vetted. I don't want terrorists coming here. But let's see and work on a refugee process that actually works for us and not one that works against us. All right, that's it for this week on America's Web Radio. We'll be in touch next week and talk further about immigration. This is your host, Chuck Cook. If you have any comments or questions, email them to David at david at or email me at chuck at Until next week, this is Chuck Cook on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.
0: You're listening to America'sWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.